Attention musicians of all levels. It's not always easy picking out a song by ear. Sometimes you need a little help. Well, I have the app for you. Whether you're a professional musician or a beginner, Ultimate Guitar is an amazing app. For just $2.99, you get the chords and tabs on guitar, bass, or ukulele for over a million songs. They're all available at your fingertips. You also get tools like a tuner, metronome, chord library, lessons, videos, and more. You can find out any song you want. It also has like transpose button. It has auto scroll that you can change the speed to so you can play along with the song. A lot of the songs have the lyrics there so you can sing along with them. Ultimate Guitar is an amazing app. Just go to ultimateguitar.com or download the app to your phone today and start playing. Start playing any song you want. Ultimate Guitar, that's the place for you. Let's get down. Hey gang, I want to make a quick announcement. Since we started this podcast in 2011, only the last 20 episodes have been available on the streaming services. You had to go back to the Podbean app or to the website, howdidigethere.podbean.com to access past the 20, last 20 episodes. Well, gang, big surprise. As of now, the last 100 episodes are available on all streaming sites. That includes the From the Vault episodes. All of the episodes, the last 100 episodes from this episode back are available now on all streaming services, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast. Go there. Whichever one you're subscribed to, whichever one you use the most, go subscribe to How Did I Get Here. Follow us, rate us, leave us a comment if you can, and, uh, and check out the episodes, man. Get out there and enjoy the last 100 episodes of How Did I Get Here on your favorite streaming services. Let's get down. your host welcome to the show i hope you guys have all had a good week whatever it is you did this week i've had a really good week i do want to thank you guys for uh listening to this episode of how did i get here i know you have a lot of choices out there but the fact that you chose this episode today to listen to means a lot to me so thank you very much also while you're out there listening if you're listening on a streaming service or wherever it is you're listening follow us subscribe you know leave us some stars let us know how we're doing it means a lot it helps us with our advertising which is uh, gives us the ability to keep this show free to you, which we have kept it free for the last 12 years. For the last 12 years, you've been getting How Did I Get Here for free. All right, so that's what we're doing, baby. Gang, uh, I picked up a book this week that came out last week called A Curious Mix of People, which is uh, the story of the underground music scene in 90s Austin. It's fucking great. Richard Widemark, uh, Greg Beats, Chepo Pena, I'm going to have them all on the show. They'll all be on here. Um, it's great. I just, I picked it up yesterday. I just started reading it because the guys are coming on the show, but also I would have read it anyway. They're having an event tomorrow, Saturday, October 28th here in Austin at the parlor over there on uh, Guadalupe, Guadalupe Street, right? Just north of the university, Saturday, October 28th at 3 p.m. The parlor, there'll be uh, an invocation by Mike Henry, the great Mike Henry, at 3 o'clock from, uh, from Electric Lounge. Hamill on Trial will play the John Paul's Hard Work, Jesus Christ Superfly, the Living Pins, Gomez, 
and Glorium. So uh, so come on out and check it out, man. Come on out and say hi. I'm going to go to it, at least for the early part. It's funny that this punk rock shit starts at like 3 in the afternoon and ends, you know, at like 7.30 because everyone's old now. That's why. we All these people used to be punk rock and shit. I used to stay out all night partying. But they're having a book release party tomorrow at the parlor, Saturday, October 28th, 3 p.m. A curious mix of people, the underground scene of uh, of 90s Austin is the name of the book. Get out there and check it out. It's great. It's an oral history. All the people tell the story. The authors that that wrote it and curated it, amazing job. It's really exciting to read. I'm about uh I'm about a quarter of the way through. That's how exciting it's been. All right. Gang, I have a great show for you guys today. Brian Bassett, guitar player from legendary classic rock band Foghat is my guest on the show today. That's right, baby. Foghat. Yeah, man. So not only is Brian Bassett the guitar player of, uh, of Foghat, he also is the engineer and co-producer of their 17th studio album, Sonic Mojo, which drops on November 10th. Now, along with uh, Rodney O'Quinn from the Pat Travers Band on bass and new singer Scott Holt on guitar and vocals from Buddy Guy's band, they are with the original Foghat drummer, Roger Earl. This is their 17th studio album, Sonic Mojo. Check it out. Uh, it drops on November 10th. They've got some singles playing. You're going to hear a song from it up here coming up pretty soon it's also dropping on uh vinyl limited edition 180 gram purple neon vinyl now gang you know you know fog hat my first experience with fog hat is probably slow ride i i want to say that's just that's what i remember i remember being i'm 55 so i was a kid and so whenever i was in a car and people were listening to classic rock radio i was you know the guys had the deep voices and they sounded kind of stoned those guys were playing Foghat records on their radio stations. So I remember hearing them from that. I also remember seeing that Foghat live record in a lot of people's houses in their record collection. Kind of the record they were listening to, the I Just Want to Make Love to You. Great fucking song. Fool for the City, great song. All these songs sounded so American to me that I was under the impression that Foghat was an American rock band, only to find out that they're a British rock band that formed with uh, Lonesome Dave Peverett and Roger Earl, the drummer, back in England from this band called Savoy Brown. Anyway, uh, Brian Bassett, the guitar player, co-producer, and engineer of this great record, Sonic Mojo, is my guest today. Uh, Brian has been playing music for a long time as well. He has been in Foghat since 1999, so he's not new to the game, but he's also, he was in Wild Cherry from 1974 to 1979. He's the guitar player on Play That Funky Music. You know, play that funk and music, white boy. Brian Bassett on guitar on that record. He also played with Lonesome Dave's Fog Hat from 1989 to 1993. So he's no, uh, he's no, he's no, uh, he's no stranger to Fog Hat, right? He's been around the thing now for at least like 30 something years, maybe 35 years in the camp doing, st- doing this stuff. Now, the reason why he stopped playing with Lonesome Dave's Fog Hat in 1993 is because Fog Hat reformed at the insistence of legendary producer Rick Rubin. He wanted to make a Fog Hat record, which never came to fruition, but it did bring the band back together and they continued driving. And now they're at Sonic Mojo with their 17th studio album. Fucking great, great record. Get out there and check it out as soon as it drops. Go to foghat.com. They're playing shows all the time. They're always on tour. In fact, hold on. Let me tell you some tour dates they got coming up here. Foghat Official. This Saturday, October 28th, they'll be in Laughlin, Nevada, Edgewater Casino Resort. Uh, November 2nd, Gary, Indiana. Um, uh, 
November 4th, Oshkosh, Wisconsin. November 12th, they'll be in New York, New York. Oh, shit. I'll be there the 10th and 11th. I should see if I can stay an extra day and watch a little Foghat concert. Anyway, Brian and I have a great conversation about Foghat, about the... Uh, about his personal journey in music and about Foghat's journey and where they're at with this new record, Sonic Mojo. Bunch of original songs. They also did some covers of B.B. King, Willie Dixon, and Chuck Berry. But overall, a really great record. It's good to see a band still out there doing it. And with their original drummer, Roger Earl, who had to do uh, some surgery like right after they made the record. But he's back playing. I've watched some live stuff on YouTube, and it, and it looks and sounds great. I'm sorry, Greg. They're pressure washing my apartment complex today for some reason right outside while I'm doing this. So sorry for the noise. And without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Brian Bassett from legendary classic rock band, Fog Hat, baby. Let's get down. Good, man. It's good to meet you. Likewise. Yeah, man. Hey, congratulations on this record, Sonic Mojo. Thank you. Yeah, we're happy to have it out. It's been a while uh, since we did the last uh, studio album, so we're happy to have a new one out. It's seven years? Yeah, seven years. Time flies by when you're having fun, I guess. It really is. We did a live album. you know, I think two uh, two years ago we did a lot, double live album, so uh, that was our last release. But yeah, funny seven years just flew by. And this is your your uh, your first record with the new singer um, whose name is escaping me, and I can't find in my notes. Really. Scott, Scott Holt. Holt. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, funny enough, we actually did a a record, a side project called Earl and the Agitators, because when we first met Scott uh, several years ago. Um, we were doing um, our last studio album under the influence and we needed a couple more songs and we had just met Scott. Um, funny. We met him. We were looking for uh, understudies really, you know, we're all older guys and uh, in case of uh, injury or, you know, health reasons <laughs> we wanted, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we wanted people to be, be on the wings uh, to be able to fulfill commitments to a show and you know so we wouldn't have to cancel sure and um and we were looking uh charlie hume was our singer at the time and it, you know me and charlie worked together for 20 some years and uh uh, uh I, oh, I got a funny thing um came up on my screen are we still connected yes we are okay i have a little like weird icon on my screen now but uh so uh, me and Scott uh, met. Um, Scott was uh, going to be our backup lead singer at that time. He was recommended by a friend. And uh, we started writing songs together. We ended up with like 17 songs. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we only needed one or two for uh, Under the Influence. And um, so we said, what are we going to do with all these other songs? And we decided to make up a whole new band, which was we called Earl and the Agitator. So there's actually a CD out there with uh, basically fog hat now it was it was me and it was you know it was all the guys that are in fog hat right now uh with scott singing so 
Right. That's where we first met him. So we had a lot of experience of writing songs with him and recording. And uh, so it was pretty cool that um, when Charlie decided to retire, uh, Scott stepped right in and here we are. So we, you know, but we had been recording and writing songs quite a bit before that, you know, before this new record. Yeah. I'm, it's, it's really impressive. Like I'm, I've been a musician since I was a kid. I'm 54. I'll be 55 on Saturday actually. But, um, to stay like to, to to stay creative and to keep making new stuff is a difficult, especially when you know we live in a time when you know the record isn't really a, a you know what I mean. Like it, it's it's not the main way that people get their music anymore by like lining up at the record store, getting the record. In the case of Fog, yeah, in the case of Fog out rolling a joint on the record, yeah. <laughs> right. It's so different now from when, you know, from when we used to, at least, you know, myself, I'm probably older than you, but records were such a big deal in, you know, in my youth when I was a young man. Um, yeah. you know, all you, all you had was board games, a bicycle and a good stereo. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> and when a record came out, it was like an event. It was a, it was a huge event and you would, you know, get whoever had the best stereo, you and your friends would get together and put that record on and, pass the album, you know, sleeve around so you could read the liner notes and read every single word and look at every single little picture on there. And it was an event, you know, so the way things are now with social media and internet and you know, video games and everything, music has sort of taken a little bit of a backseat. So, you know, it's funny. I taught at college for a while and I would used to tell my students this, you know, I said, you know, music at, at the, in my time was so important. And, um, you know, it's just a, a little different thing. You know, everybody listens to the album on headphones now. You know, back then you listened to a big loud stereo. You know, you if you had headphones, like you were rich, you know. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, it's just different, you know. Uh, but uh, but it's still important. And, uh, you know, I think um, all um, bands of my era that put out new music, you know, and everyone's doing it. You know, Stones are coming out with a new record. Aerosmith has, you know, put out new stuff. And, yeah. you know, it's... You know, they, it's, it's hard to get uh, recognition on radio. That's, you know, very formatted now. So it's all, really all about streaming and the Internet at this time. And, uh, you know, from a band's perspective, someone like us, you know, we tour all year long. So it's almost a promotional effort for us now. It's not so much money-making as it was in the old days. But, uh, but we're creative guys. We like to record. We like to play. And we like to write songs. And so... And we have a you know a substantial fan base, which we're lucky to have, blessed to have people that follow us. So yeah, yeah so it's, records are a little bit different in the pantheon of entertainment, but um, we're still happy to put out new records. Well, that's what I was going to say is that you know um, that that I I tip my hat to my fellow artists that continue to create and aren't like, well, you know. You know what I mean? Like there, there are there are plenty of people that don't make new stuff that tour every summer and stuff like that. But you guys are on tour all the time. You've been constantly making records, even if you haven't done anything in the last seven years. Uh, put out anything uh, new from the studio? You've put out a shitload of of like live stuff. There's that Road Fever, like the complete Bearsville recordings thing. Like there's still stuff coming out and stuff. But to to go out there and make new music, I think that that's amazing and great. Well, thank you very much, and and. You know, I always compare music, musicians and music to 
sports guys. You know, you want to play. You want to you know, put me in, coach. <laughs> you know, yeah. you want to play. So, you know, every year we, you know, we love to get together. We Every year we rehearse during the winter months preparing for the new next touring season where we add new songs to the set and stuff like that. So we change up our show every year a little bit. And, um, yeah, so that's when we record. I have my recording set up at our rehearsal studio. I'm an engineer. I do all the engineering and producing for, you know, Foghat records. So, uh, whenever we get a spark of an idea or someone says, Hey, let's, uh, let's, check out this Chuck Berry song. How would that sound on us? You know, I hit the record button in our studio and away we go. So once we get a collection of songs like we have now for Sonic Mojo that fit together and that we think would make a good release package, then we start working on the artwork and all that kind of stuff. But we're all constantly recording stuff. And, you know, I have a big backlog of material. Yeah. Um, this, you, you have a very rich history. I went through your own personal, uh, uh, biography and everything and uh, quite an impressive uh, biography not only were you and Molly Hatchett from 1993 to 1999 but you played guitar in the sorry about this is the guys in the sorry the blowing guys at my apartment come by and do that drives me nuts they usually do it <laughs> right when I'm having a conversation with a rock legend um, but Brian Bassett, you were you, you were in Wild Cherry from 1974 to 1979. You were you played on play that funky music. <laughs> what a like that that's a song that I mean, much like the Foghat that, uh, catalog. But that song is is there is still there now. It's still here now. It's still it's still out there. That song has legs, and you know it's really yeah. been around. I always say we made the wedding circuit. It's like one of those songs that you go to a family party, and you know if you go to a wedding at the after party, we're up there with we are family and the electric oh. slide and brick house. You know, it's one of those, yeah, 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 dude. Yeah, I'm it's one of those house party. It's a house party song now. Of so course. I love that. Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, to be a part of that. That was my very first recording session. Believe it or not, that was crazy. Back really, when I was about. Yeah, I was about 20 years old, and, you know, I mean, I had done some demo. You know, I always was a recordist. I already, you know, I always had a four-track or would bring drag, you know, a, a recording machine to our band rehearsals. But for, as far as professional recording, that was the first, you know, really serious recording we did. I always thought, I said, hey, well, uh, <laughs> you know, this recording business thing's pretty easy. That song went right to number one. <laughs> but 50 years... <laughs> You know, 50 years later, you know, you're still trying to hit the charts, but I was like, wow, that was, that was pretty, you know, outstanding. Yeah, dude. <laughs> we're excited. We're a bunch of young guys. We actually paid for that record ourselves. Too. We, we wanted to get a 45 in the local jukeboxes. We weren't really, you know, considering it on a national level. We were looking at it as a local level. But, you know, we, circumstances being what it was, a, a gentleman named Carl Midori who had started a was part of a new record label called Sweet City Records out of Cleveland. Got uh, wind of it uh, in the studio up there. We recorded it in Cleveland, and uh, they had a deal with Epic Records. And before you know it, you know we were on the charts. So, and it's still going. It's pretty strong, like you said. We actually are playing it in the set now too. So, oh, cool. Uh, you know, just people, you know, we used to do a little bit of it, and. Uh, you know, uh, people ask, keep asking us, uh, why don't you play the whole song? And I was like, all right. You know, we started doing it. Yeah. And it, so it's pretty cool. Um, I, I'm in a cover band and I, I cannot even, I cannot even tell you the number of times someone has come up with either it written down on a napkin or 
ask for it. <laughs> uh, it's a great, it's a great club song. It's a great song to play. You know, funny even even before we recorded it, people, you know, we would start that song. We wrote it. We were playing it in the clubs. Be, uh, you know, just trying to try it out. The song is really audio autobiographical. We were a rock band. We played Zeppelin, you know, Robin Trow or Rainbow, you know. And when the music scene started changing, when KC came out yeah. and, you know, that Bowie did fame and uh, the Bee Gees and all that, you know, everything was, uh, and then the Commodores, of course, and uh, Earth, Wind and Fire. You know, we changed our whole set. We were a club band. We were playing four hours a night. You know, we changed our whole club set into dance music. And sure. that's what someone actually came up to us and said, hey, you better start playing some funky music, white boy. Someone <laughs> said that to our drummer in the club, you know. And, and and on our break, our drummer our drummer came back and told that to Rob, our singer. He said, "Man, someone just come up to me and said you better start playing some funky music, white boy." <laughs> That's how that song came about. And uh, Rob started writing that song that night on a napkin, of napkins on a napkin, you know. Wow. And, uh, that's uh, and, and the song is uh, talking about us being a rock band turning into a funk band, right? Uh, because the music scene was really changing then. You know, we we couldn't play. Uh, Robin Trower and discos, you know, everything was turning into disco dance clubs. Yeah. So we had to play dance music. Yeah. And uh, we changed that. So that song was really, even before we recorded it, we started playing it in the clubs. And guys that hated to dance would go, oh, I'll try that one. That sounds pretty easy to dance to. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it was, a, it was a good dance song, really, at the core of it. I think that's what really brought it up, you know, got it onto the charts. And, and it was kind of funny, too, you know. Hell yeah. And did you get to do, did you get to do like American Bandstand and like Soul Train and all those cool shows that were on when I was a kid? Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we did. Dude. We did yeah, we did that. We did, you know, and then when, of course, we did Midnight Special, yeah. uh, you know, Don Curtis Rock Concert, you know, yeah. we did, you know, we did those, Soul Train, all that. So, and, uh, and, and we actually uh, were nominated for a Grammy that year. So we actually played on the Grammy Awards. That was pretty cool. Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Who else uh, did you get to meet? A lot of your heroes that night, like you know, I I, I sure did. You know, uh, well, funny enough, um, we toured with that song with just about every uh, R and B act out there. We toured with Average White Band. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did shows on the That's the Way of the World tour uh, with Earth, Wind, and Fire. We played with the, some of the shows on the Last Jackson Five tour. Oh, Stevie awesome. Wonder. Uh, we toured with, you know, Johnson, the Brothers Johnson, um, Bootsy Collins and uh, Parliament Funkadel, you know, Parliament, we played with them, you know, so uh, we really opened up most of these shows, you know, we were a, a show opener, but, and we did some headline shows, but we played with so many great R&B acts and I met all those people and they were, you know, live music at that time was fantastic. I mean, this is before computers. Sure. And, you know, all it was was, you know, a pretty good light show, maybe some lasers and a really great band. You know, that was a really cool time to But at the Grammys, I sat right across the aisle from Boston. Yeah. Who, you know, we were, we were up for the best new band, you know, uh, new artist thing. And I think we had uh, one other ca- uh, category we were in. I think it was R&B thing. But, uh, but, you know, more than a feeling was nominated along with play that funky music, you know, a song or something. The Starland Vocal Band won. Ah. <laughs> my, my enduring memory from that night is I was looking across the aisle to Brad, Brad Delp, the singer from Boston, and 
you know, you're on TV, so you have to have that fake smile. You know, right, hey, right. You know we love. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked, I looked over at Brad, and we're, we're like, "What the hell?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, a lot of fun memories from that. Time. <laughs> it's funny how there were these bands out there tearing it up and rocking like never before, but at the same time, like the Carpenters and and uh, like Starland Vocal Band or whatever they're called, the Skyrockets and Flight Band just also ruled the airwaves. Right, what yeah. an interesting time for music. Right. You know, I, I say, well, you know, there's a, there was a pinwheel, you know, like a woo, afternoon to like it. Yeah. <laughs> <But there's, laughs> a song with a, song with a pin whistle won a Grammy. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, after, after the, <laughs> your wild cherry experience, you, you went in and started engineering and producing stuff and working in the studio for a while and that's where you got like these chops to engineering and all that stuff right exactly right i you know i I was always the guy you know back in the day when you young man and had a you know it was like hey let's let's hire you know joe his dad can buy us a pa system well i was the guy that you know brought the recording uh you know thing to the studio so i was always interested in uh recording but after Wild Cherry, I relocated to Florida and started be, uh, working at King Snake Studios in Sanford, Florida. We were an indie blues label. Oh, cool. And I loved that. At the time, you really needed a, a record company to put out a record. You know, I, my, I had a really great band after Wild Cherry in the Pittsburgh area called Airborne. We had a lot of great songs. We had great management. Uh, Charlie Brusco was our manager, the guy who manages Sticks right now. But we couldn't get a record deal. And without a record deal or a record company, you really couldn't make a record. Right. It cost a lot of money to the studio, to make vinyl, get distribution. It wasn't like now you can go in your garage and with your band and on your laptop, make an album and have it out on the internet tomorrow. Back in the day, you couldn't do that. You needed all this you know, pretty much corporate help to get stuff something on the street. Yeah. So anyhow, I, w- I moved to Florida and got involved in indie records. Um, King Snake Records is who I worked for. We did blues records. Uh, over 100. I mean, I think in my time there, well over 100. I was there for close to 15 years as an engineer, producer. I did a lot of the mixing, played guitar, and a session guitar player. And it was during that time in Florida that I met Lonesome Dave from uh, Fogat. I had a quartet. And we gigged in uh, the Orlando area. It was called Blue House, my band. Uh, my friend Pat Travers, the great guitar player, yeah. Pat Travers, quite famous in his own right, brought Dave to our club. Dave had just come back from England. He was on a hiatus from Foghat from, for several years, moved to the Orlando area. And Pat brought him to see my band. We played this very eclectic uh, song selections. I call it Swamp Rock. We played songs by Lazy Lester, Lightning Slim, Lonesome Sundown, you know, pretty much off-the-wall blues stuff. And Dave knew every one of our songs because he was like a blues historian. Right. Uh, and me and him, he sat in with us that night. He goes, hey, can I play with you guys? I love your, you know, the songs you're playing. He knew them all. We hit it off and became like best friends uh, almost instantly, really. And then when he wanted to go back out on tour, that's, uh, he asked me to go out with him. So, uh, you know, between Wild Cherry and me uh, meeting Lonesome Dave, it was over 10 year period, you know. Um, 
So I was a studio rat for about 10 years before I met Dave. But once I met Dave, I was back out on the national touring circuit. And, uh, and that introduced me to the Foghat family. And I did that for me and Dave worked together for about five years. Then Foghat all reformed with all the original members at the behest of Rick Rubin, the great record yeah, producer. Yeah, that's right. That's an interesting story. Yeah, he wanted, he wanted to do a yeah he wanted to do a Foghat record, but he wanted all the original guys. And I think Tony was living in Spain, the original bass player. Roger was still up in New York touring. Dave was down in Florida, and uh, and Rod was up in New England. But they all got together, and uh, I had just finished a European tour with Dave, and we had toured with Molly Hatchet over there for about several months. Nice. And I became friends with the guys of Molly Hatchet and. Uh, once Danny Joe Brown heard that uh, my band was breaking up and Dave was going back with uh, the other guys, he asked me to join. He goes, you know, Brian, you know, actually his tour manager came over and said, Danny went to see you on the bus, on his bus. And uh, I went over there and Danny's like, I heard what's going on. You want to join my band? I went, yes, sir. I sure would like that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to be out of a job in about two weeks. So I joined Molly Hatchet then and I, well, I worked with Danny and and Molly Hatchet for seven years. We did three albums uh, and toured you know, the world. We were actually signed to a German record label called SPV, so we did uh, most of our recording. And every year we'd go over to Europe for three or four months and tour over there. And and then seven, I guess seven years later, Lonesome Dave calls me up and uh, Rod Price was retiring out of their band and he asked me to rejoin Foghat. This is in the year 1999 and uh, asked me to rejoin Foghat, which I did. I, you know, I left Molly Hatchet, went back with my best friend, Dave, and, and I've been in Foghat ever since like 23 years now. Yeah, <laughs> so, man. Yeah, well, it's crazy. I was going to say, uh, it's, you, you do have a great story. Have you thought of writing a book or anything? I mean, you, you've been in three of like, historical rock bands. You know, my wife says that to me all the time. You ought to write a book. <laughs> you know, and I did, and I tell a lot of stories from the old days and I, the book would have to be called as I recall. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> of course. Yeah. I, you know, I tell a lot of stories and I try to make them funny. So, you know, if they're actually accurate, I'm not really sure anymore. Cause, <laughs> cause um, I think, you know, I, I think, I think I tarted them up to make them funny. So, but yeah, you know, I thought about it and my wife was always trying to ask, you know, why don't you just write a book? You know, when I start telling stories and have a couple of glasses of wine, I start trying to make them all funny. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> maybe one of these days. <laughs> um, I have a couple of things. One of them is how is Roger doing? He had a shoulder Roger. issue. Roger's doing great. And in fact, we've, you know, we've been touring all year, so he's okay. really doing good. And, uh, that had an effect on how we recorded this last record. Generally, when I record um, our band, I try to do it with all the guys in the room playing at the same time. I mean, we, you know, with uh, digital recording now, you can do it things a piece at a time if you want to. But I had like old school. I came from two inch tape yeah. land, engineer, and and blues recording, which is almost like documentary recordings. You trying to capture the music in the room, yeah, and. Uh, with no, you know, post with no production tricks or anything like that. So, but Roger was having uh, surgery on his shoulder. So we, this record was done a little different where we did a lot of the drum tracks early on 
in the process once we decided on the songs that we had and i had i had several of them already i think two of the songs on there i had already recorded in, in its entirety two blues songs but the rest of the stuff that we had rehearsed we uh did drum we, i pretty much recorded them with drums and rhythm guitar and laid the tracks down until we got a good drum track because roger had you know, this was uh you know pretty much last winter and once I captured the drum tracks, then we started adding things. So that was a little different than our normal working style. Right. But, uh, but we wanted to get, uh, get all the stuff that we needed in the can uh, before he had surgery so he could heal up before we went on tour. So, yeah. but the surgery was a success. His arm, good. you know, got better and, uh, we toured all year long this year. So yeah, I've all seen, worked out good. I've seen some phone videos, uh, of of different songs and like you know a couple songs here and there from shows over the last few months and you guys sound fucking great man well thanks you know i, I think we're firing on all cylinders totally. you know we're you know we uh it's always the maybe the first uh, 10 shows of the year after you've been off it uh, off for the winter you know take a while to get up to speed but the fact that we were recording, we were in pretty good shape even when we hit our first show. So, yeah. Uh, and and me and Scott have great chemistry. I love working with him, and uh, it's almost um, you know he worked with Buddy Guy for ten plus years as his buddy's back you know, second guitarist. He's very steeped in the blues, and I it really brought Foghat, you know, this version of Foghat back to almost the beginning where we were more blues influenced than rock. You know, we have a lot of rock and roll in us, but we also have a lot of blues right. infused in there. So, and we're just having a great time playing. I mean, I love working with Scott. He's a great guitar player, a good singer, great front man. So, um, yeah, we're, we're having a good time. I think we're, our show is better than ever. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations. There's a lot of shows. People can go to uh, foghat.com and go through your dates. You guys, basically play like every week, like, you know. Pretty much so, yeah. But we're in Fort Myers uh, this weekend and um, California, New York. Uh, we sort of dartboard around the country. We fly everywhere, so, you know, our agents aren't limited. <laughs> no, that's great. <laughs> you know, okay, well, just last week, we played, we played Boston on Friday. and or, Let me see, where was I this week? Well, we were in Boston one day and the very next day, Las Vegas. So, you know, <laughs> and, uh, the you know, we fly early in the morning, get there, do a show, and you know, <laughs> so, yeah, they, they don't give us that much of a break. But you know, but we—that's the beauty of being able to fly. So, you know, we can be anywhere in the country any day, and you know, we just get there. We have a great crew that you know, gets our set up and working really quick, and then away we go. Good. Um, real quick, uh, Sonic Mojo drops on November tenth, and one of the things I did want to say is your. Uh, it's interesting uh, sometimes when people get caught up in the technology of what's happening, uh, bands that that started recording when technology was, was at a different place, more primitive place, uh, they abandon sort of of uh, the thing that that really makes the uh, the recording magical, which is like the magical performance. And I, I really, uh, I really appreciated this record and, and your work on it because it's, it's very raw, which, and, and it ends up making it tougher sounding, which is one of those things that, that I like about Rick Rubin in a lot of his recordings. He's just trying to find the essence of who this creative unit is and bring that out in its rawest form. And I think you've, you really managed to do that with this record. Well, thanks, and I'm so glad you noticed that because it's intentional. I, 
you know, I, I'm really good at Pro Tools. You know, I work with a lot of other artists that do more contemporary, modern kind of soundy stuff. I can auto-tune all day long if I need to. I don't do that with us. I do, like I said, I come from a blues background, so I want to capture real human performance. And that's what I try to do. I mean, there's a, several things on this on our new record that I could have messed with, you know, edited sure. stuff. But I would rather do a new take. I'd rather do a second take than try to fix uh, something, you know, computer-wise. So thank you for noticing that. It's, it's, it really is the way I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be us in a room and that to sound like that. I wanted it to sound like, man, I cannot, I can see Scott. Stay- important part of the sound. And I think it's, um, keeps us sounding real. You know, if you wanted to hear how we actually sound playing together, that's, that's it. You know, I didn't do any editing in the, in the studio, you know, I didn't fix any things. If there, if there was a mistake made, why we re-record something so that we, you know, get your best take, but it is all honest recording and, uh, you know, there's no trickery in there. And that's on purpose. You know, I wanted it to sound raw. I wanted it to sound real. And I think that does something for the music. I think it, you know, makes the personality of the people playing come through. That's right. It does. I thank you for that because that's, you know, that's important to me. And it's important. I'd like to record old, our band, at least old school. Yeah. You did, you know, you figure some of the greatest records in, uh, in the history were done like in a week or two, you know, because the bands were well rehearsed. Yeah, they go. You know, studios were expensive. You know, and like you know Led Zeppelin and anybody. You know, Beatles. I mean, they go in and you know knock out a record in five days. Yeah, you know, and uh, pretty much all the bands. That was the way you did it back then. You know, you rehearsed as you know, so you knew the songs, went in there, cut each song three or four times, picked the best take, and there was your record. So I mean, that's pretty much the way I approached this one. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you did that, man. Uh, this Thanks. record's great, and as I said, it's out on November 10th. And you guys are are out playing shows. You can be you can be in Boston one day, you can be in Vegas the next day. People can find all of your tour dates and everything at foghat.com. Also, uh, this record's going to be available on CD and also limited edition 180 gram purple neon vinyl. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's super awesome. <laughs> purple record. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. yeah, it's great, and it's, you know we do a short run of vinyl uh, for our last uh, several releases. We've done some vinyl, which is great. That you know, I like having an album cover that I can read. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have a big, big line. You know, liner well, notes. You know, in a font that I can actually check out. Well, those are the things I that that's one of the things I think is sad is like you know now you can find a song and it'll be great, but you don't you don't know who played on it. You know, in the seventies. You kind of got to know these people that were playing on records, you know. Right. You know, I mean, that was the thing. You put the record on and, and while you listen to the record, you, you looked over all the uh, liner notes and all the little pictures. And, uh, you know, the album art was a very serious art form back then. You know, how people were very creative of how they packaged their stuff. And it was a that was part of the deal. You know, you put the music on. But while you're listening to the music, you know, you're looking at the artwork. That's right. So I'm glad we're coming a little bit back to that. Yeah. Speaking of artwork, Foghat has uh, literally one of the best rock logos for a band ever. And I, I love that you it's know, never changed. It's like when you have a good one, dude, don't don't leave it. 
No, and I, I, you know, as Roger tells the story, I think the very first uh, Foghat rec- uh, record did not have that logo, but I think it was a Warner Brothers exec- uh, art department that came up with that, and it's been a, a sort of an iconic thing. So, yeah, you're right. Once you have one that really works and identifies the band, like you look at that, you go, oh, Foghat. Yeah, yeah. Foghat. So, you know, you, and, um, yeah, it's really whoever. I'm not sure who the artist was that designed that, but he did a great job because it's, lasted all these years and yeah. it is our you know our, it's our signifier you know that's right. on our shirts on our hats on everything you know so yeah, yeah. Great good logo good logo well brian it's been a real pleasure talking to you uh yeah it's uh i'm 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 really happy for you guys and i'm glad that you're in a place where you're making records still and you're doing you're out there playing shows and you guys sound great from the video even from people's phones i've actually got have you gotten used to to the phone thing have you gotten used to watching oh, a video sure, of a phone? Yeah. You know, I remember when the, the phones first came out, yeah. you know, there was all these restrictions, like no video recording. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the show. It's like, are you kidding me now? It's like when you go to a show now, there's like, you know, what, what are you going to do? Take like 9,000 iPhones away from people? You know, back then people, you know, security would actually come up to guys with video yeah. cameras and yeah. <laughs> video. Yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, that, that has really gone away. So, you know, we actually like it. It's like, you know, sure. like just stand still so the sound doesn't change. You know, just, right. you know if you're going to record us, try to get a good sounding one and a good looking one and sure, put it up on the internet. You know, it's all press. We consider it advertising, you know, great. You know, as long as we're playing well and you record us well, good, man. Put it wherever you want, you know. Yeah. Share it with your friends and. But yeah, that's so hilarious. You know, we talk about that all the time back in the day when, you know, little camcorders were out, you know, no video recording. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's way gone now. Yes, it is. Well, uh, man, it is great talking to you and uh, good luck with everything. Good luck on the record. And um, I'll let your people know when this comes out. It'll be out in a couple of weeks, but it's a real pleasure getting to talk to you. Likewise, man. Nice to meet you. Thanks, Brian. Okay, take care, bro. You too, man. That was Brian Bassett from Foghat. Their 17th studio album, Sonic Mojo, drops November 10th. Go to foghat.com and find out when they're coming to a town near you. Maybe how to get the limited 180-gram vinyl neon uh, edition, purple neon vinyl edition of Sonic Mojo. Get out there and check it out. Go to foghat.com. I want to thank Brian for doing the show. What a great conversation, man. Foghat, baby. Foghat! All right, man, if you want to go back and listen to some other conversations I've had, go. Uh, you can find us wherever it is, wherever it is that you find podcasts. The last 100 episodes are available. If you want to hear all of the episodes of How Did I Get Here, they are all available for free at podbean.com. How did I get here.podbean.com. All right? Go, subscribe, get involved. All right? Let us know how we're doing. I want to thank Brian for doing the show. Have a great weekend, whatever it is you're doing. 